marketing friends, it's Misty. Thanks so much for listening in to this episode of Marketing Sweats. This year marks Samantha's 40-ish year in business. So to celebrate this season, we're featuring Samantalite sharing their point of pride, stories about work they've done that makes them proud. This episode is a fun one. I'm chatting with Sarah Ingalls, our Director of Experience Strategy. Sarah poured her creativity into many projects in her 12 years at Samantal, but there's one that really stands out. It's not every day we get to make a rap video about dozer pride that goes viral. But about six and a half years ago, we did, and it's still resonating with operators today. Do a web search for Caterpillar Dozer Pride and check it out. But first, my interview with Sarah. Okay, I am here with Sarah Ingalls, someone that I have come to admire and respect very much. Sarah has been with Samantha for 12 years, which is hard to believe, and I'm going to make you tell that story. She is today our Director of Experience Strategy, and she has a rock star team of awesome digital channel CX thinkers, and so she can tell us more about that. But welcome, Sarah. Thank you for your submitting your point of pride. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So just quickly, I'll tease that her point of pride is related to a rap video that Samantha got to produce for a Caterpillar tractor. Gosh, how long ago was this? It was about six and a half years ago. Six and a half years ago. Started about five and a half. And I still hear about this today. People ask me about this all the time. So I'm super excited that you submitted this as your story because I think people need the background. But first, let's start with you. I want you to tell a little bit about maybe you, your upbringing in this area and kind of how you found Samantha all those years ago. I'm actually not a native to the Peoria area. I was born in the Pacific Northwest and then landed in Peoria, Illinois when I was in middle school. My dad broke the news to us that he said we were moving to the hometown of Jim Tomey. Oh. Uh, we were major Cleveland Indians fans. That's where we used to live. <laughs> so I guess that was cool to live where he grew up. And actually, I started my journey of figuring out who Samantha was when I was in high school. So I job shadowed at Samantha okay. as a junior in high school and met Chris Main and Laura Baumgartner. They don't remember me from high school. <laughs> and actually, that's one of the reasons why I decided to go to Bradley. Okay. And I ended up... At Bradley in my junior year, I met Laura again. I remembered who she was and started my internship at Samantha and joined as a design intern throughout my uh, junior and senior year and then transitioned into a full-time position. That is so cool. We do have a few people who have grown up from here from intern to today, and I am one of them too. I started as an intern at Bradley, (laughs) which is so cool. And I still remember those days. Do you have any recollection of some of the stuff you worked on way back then? Uh, I do. One of my first projects I worked on was for the World Trade Group within Caterpillar, which was a brochure that supported the mining industry and highlighted all of the different sub-industries of mining. Wow. I worked with Barry Littlejohn, Zach, and Andrew Ketterer. See, you would remember that because you're such a freaking information architect and designer that you probably like even can like visualize the spreads in your head. I can. I remember being petrified presenting them because I was so nervous. (laughs) You're such a good presenter. In fact, I was just talking about that with a team earlier today. People fall in love with Sarah when she commands a room. So I admire that too. But let's talk a little bit then about your journey because you are a weird hybrid unicorn thinker of people. Started on the creative side, migrated to strategy. Tell that story. Yeah, so I started as a design intern and used to say that I loved the fact that I got to work with everyone. Um, As the intern, I bounced from a lot of projects, so I got to meet everyone, learn a lot about all the different disciplines. And then I was fortunate enough to come on as a full-time designer when I 
uh, graduated at Bradley. So I kind of worked up, I guess, what you'd call our traditional track for a designer. So I was a designer, art director, and senior art director. And over time, took on more of the kind of critical thinking associated with the counts and took ownership of uh, the different groups that I was assigned to. And saw my work kind of shift. Uh, instead of just focusing on the design elements and campaign-based thinking, I was getting assigned to a lot of work that was exploring how we bring web experiences to life, how we design applications to better support our customers and our clients. So I got really excited and I dug in and wanted to learn more. So I saw myself growing into a different lane and exploring what user experience looked like, what interface design looked like, and, and was fortunate enough to kind of have the stars align and be able to transfer my role and, and move into leading our department and kind of defining what that looks like as we grow. So I feel like there were a couple critical crossroads moments in your career. I have a distinct memory of standing at your desk with a massive whiteboard next to it where you had architected an entire like global website and you were talking me through it. And I thought, oh, geez, this girl's brain is fantastic. It wasn't just design, right? It was so much content. And then... There was another critical moment where we were talking about how you were leading at the time what was, I think, one of our largest accounts within Caterpillar. The team definitely saw you as a leader and you didn't have leader by title at that point, but we just said, hey, you're the leader. Go do it. And you did. And people started following you. So which of those came first and how did that all come together? So the first one would have been, I think the experience you're talking about is when we help support the BAMA Yes. Uh, event that was going on in Europe. So back in 2019, a client came to us and needed support on how we could build out a web experience that mirrored the show experience. Cool. Uh, it was one of the first times they'd really dug in to take a look at how they could better support individuals who maybe weren't at- able to attend in person. So we built out experiences in English and German and French to make sure that the content that was going to be available within the show was also available online. Nice. So it was really exciting to see how we could bring that to life. And one of the interesting pieces about it is I talk about that there's artifacts that follow you that you don't realize when you're creating them, it's going to become a thing. And and one of them is our content intake document. It started with that project and now it's the way that we document all web experiences. That's awesome. you don't realize what's going to follow you around. Yeah, absolutely. But was it that project that ultimately leapfrogged you to think about your role as different than just designer and more content strategist and user experience? Or was it something else? That was probably one of the ones where I realized I was really stepping outside of what our traditional senior art directors were delivering um, and just exploring how it could look different and feel different. Um, I remember at the time I had conversations with Maggie and Chris about it's okay if what I do is a little bit different and I keep the same title if that's what we need to do because we were still trying to understand what it meant to deliver on UX strategy at the time. Sure. And then your passion in UX ended up leading to you leading a team of individuals, but then also leading our entire discipline of digital customer experience. Mm-hmm. Talk about that as two different things and yeah. how you grew into that role. So it, it kind of started with my love of design and I think uh, not really wanting to let go of that piece of who I am. Uh, I still like to identify as a creative team member. So UX started to bridge the gap between how I could still focus on the visualizations of the work that we do, but think about the the critical factors that bring the broader journey to life. Right. And then we saw that kind of translate into, well, it's more than just web. 
it's more than just that that touch point that draws you in and, and moves you along your journey. It's what comes first, how it connects to media, how it connects to our message and the creative, how we can make sure that we're telling that story through the data that comes through on the experiences and, and reporting out on success. So we've seen our team evolve to meet those needs and, and help really think about how the well-rounded nature of our work is reflected in what we're sharing. Awesome. And before we dig into your point of pride, which was um, a very specific project for Caterpillar, I think you're somebody who I think has had a pretty well-rounded experience with lots of different kinds of clients. Is mm-hmm. that true? Yeah. I've been very fortunate to work across a lot of our um, major major clients over the years. So I've been a part of our GCI team for many years, almost since the beginning of my time at Symantle. I've worked with Ameren, so our energy delivery and distribution uh, clients, healthcare, uh, financials, higher ed. Um, I did a stint on a lot of our new new business and pitch teams for a couple of years, helping right. out on RFPs. So a lot of different clients across the years. What do you love about that? I like the variety. Yeah, um, I like being able to challenge myself. I think not knowing exactly what comes next is exhilarating. I also talk about that I, I like being put inside of a box. So I like being given parameters and trying to push the edges of the box and turn it into an octagon or <laughs> a rectangle or, or seeing what's possible. Yeah. You and I even exchanged an email about that this week and mm-hmm. that creatives love, they actually need strategy to like push off of, right? Yeah. And you, you said that's so true. Yeah. If you don't give us a little bit of parameters, then <laughs> you can kind of create some swirl. So. Exactly. I love it. All right, so back us up here because I made you go all the way down your career path. But I want to hear about this rap video. At what point in your career was this? And give us a little context for the situation. It would have been late in 2015. So I would have been art director into my senior art director phase, heavily dedicated to our GCI team. It was one of the first projects where I kind of started to take the lead on the full creative concepting and direction. Jake was my creative director at the time. And kind of gave me some space to spread my wings and see what we could come up with. So I was lucky enough to have a lot of other great collaborators on this that we kind of kicked off the project with and started to think about what a new product introduction could look like that challenged the status quo. I love that. So I want you to describe the nexus of the idea, because in your write-up, you talk about how you're trying to turn a decision into a celebration. And I, that actually is a little bit different angle than I understood. I thought that this was like um, a product that maybe needed to target towards a younger audience, but it almost sounds like you guys were trying to hone in on like a lack of buyer's remorse or something like yeah. this. So when we had done our intake sessions with our subject matter experts, they had shared with us that a couple of the key competitors in this product had actually released machinery to market before us. But they had come in at a space of offering a very baseline model or a very, very high-end model. Okay. So no technology or all the bells and whistles. And what Kat had heard from their customers was actually, we kind of need something in the middle. We might not be ready for all the technology, but there's some key features that we'd like to see available on all of our machines. So this theme of meeting the customer exactly with what they need kind of started to resonate. And then Pam Aiello and I were, were in a room together and we were talking about just this idea of when you feel like you've gotten the best deal. Sure. When you are so excited that you snagged the last thing off the clearance rack and you saved half price or you, you know, just snagged something and you're so excited. Right. What do you do? Like you feel it inside of you, but 
You usually like to tell your friends that you got a great deal and that you made an awesome choice. You don't keep it to yourself. So that kind of manifested into talking about how would you share that with somebody else? Would you give them a call? Would you high five? Would you shout it from the mountaintops? And then we just started spitballing some different ideas about other ways that you might express that. And the idea of a musical or breaking out into song just manifested right in front of us. Oh my gosh, that is the best. And i that's another thing you and I were talking about this week is that creatives just need that like space to just talk, mm-hmm. right? And see what ideas and dots you can connect. And it sounds like you had that space on this project. Yeah, it was just a, a room with a couple of us and we were fortunate that the team was open to let us just explore what things could look like because I think that's one of the challenges that you face as a creative when you're ideating there's a lot of wild ideas that come up sure. and not shooting them down too early, exploring what they could look like and being free to just open up and let them kind of flow. I would have been so nervous at that point. Like, are we really going to do this? We're going to present a rap video to Caterpillar. Like, how did you sort of embrace that and come to terms with it and then take it all the way? Yeah, I think our account team was a little nervous at first, <laughs> and kind of questioning if we could make it happen. But we actually rallied around some of the previous success that we've had within our agency and with Caterpillar on using humor, using a, a different sort of tone to connect with our audience. We also leveraged some case studies outside of our industry and talked about how humor and musical content can effectively drive sales and drive engagement. So we bolstered the front end of our pitch deck with some of that reference to try and make sure that we were selling that being different worked. Absolutely. And I love the pitch story. So you said, I walked into the presentation prepared, but nervous. And then you share some of the comments. (laughs) I can't imagine the silence in the room. I think I like it, one client says. And then another client says, I can't say that I love the idea of a rap, but I'm not our target audience. And I think they will love it. That had to be so like gratifying and fulfilling. Yeah, it was shocking in the best way possible because we just sat quietly. Luckily, they were all in the room with us so we could see their face and it kind of felt like you were getting a vibe that maybe they were on board. Right. But then it's just the dead silence of who's going to talk first and give their <laughs> give their opinion on it. And it was great. Yeah. It's yeah. what you hope for when you give a pitch like that. That's so awesome. So back us up then. Okay. So from the time that you had the concept, how much creative development did you do for the pitch versus the actual production? Yeah. So, um, as I said, like Pam and I were doing the brainstorming together. Jake was, I think he was out on a shoot when it was going on. And immediately I went down to his office when he was back the next day. And I'm like, Jake, we've got an idea that I, I don't know how we're going to pull this off. Like, I need your help to figure this out. And he brought up actually a formal, former Samantalite as well, Josh Rodney, and said, I think we could get him to help us do this. So we sent over a Word document that had all the cool features, applications that this machine was in, what made it different from the other products in the market, and set them off for a couple days to try and come up with a wrap about a dozer. That's crazy. And he came back with a script and a sample recording of it, and we used that as a part of our pitch. And that's when we were talking with them, that's really what put them over the edges. They felt they felt the wrap. They could feel it. They could see it. They could hear it. They felt their machine and their customers reflected on it. 
And for those of you who don't know Josh, Josh was at one point our runner at Samantle, but he was also like a little bit of a talent. We would put him in front of the camera for like Christmas videos and things like that. Mm-hmm. What amazes me about him is he's such a writer. Like he was able to take the subject matter content and translate it into a rhyme. Yeah. And I, I still don't know how we did it. <laughs> it's great. I'm not saying what we gave him wasn't great. We gave him a nice <laughs> list, but how you turn that into what we got exactly. is the reason why I'm not a rap artist. I do want to ask you about your relationship with Jake, though, because he was your creative director when you started at Samantle. And I know you have like a real affinity towards his leadership style. You've modeled it in many ways. Mm -hmm. So for those folks who know Jake and Chris and how different they are, like talk about the leader that Jake was to you when you came into Samantle. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was assigned to GCI, Jake was one of, well, was my creative director for most of my time on GCI and really pushed me to challenge what was expected of an art director and a senior art director, what I could bring to the table to help drive our work forward. He was one of the first people who let me pitch on my own and stood back and and just let me take the lead and knew he would be there to catch me if I fell, but let me kind of soar. He gave me the chance to direct my first video shoot and said, why not? Yeah, It's local. Let's give it a shot. So really kind of letting me give it a try. He was also one of the ones who pushed for me to have weekly touch bases with him. So we would meet all the time and make sure we were on the same page about things outside of the work that was going on, what was going on in my life. And that's something that I've carried forward and and utilized with my team as well, making sure that you're not only focused on the work person, but also who they are as an individual. I love that. And Chris and Jake are both people who I have witnessed, and it has to be part of the creative process, like take that step back and just let people fly. And then if they stumble, like they'll be there to like help them along. But I love that he did that for you. All right. So circling back to the story. So you get to do the shoot. You said you have a crew of 30 people at Caterpillar's Proving Grounds, and you had to do this overnight, make it rain. What what happened that night? (laughs) So, yeah, we had to shoot at the Proving Grounds because the machine was still in pre-production mode. It wasn't something that was readily available or we felt comfortable putting out in the public. So we needed to shoot at the Proving Grounds. And the style that we were going for was kind of a dark, moody vibe to the video, which meant we had to shoot at night. So, yeah, we rolled in at 7 p.m. and we had a very limited window that we could shoot. We had one night with the machines. So we had to have a large crew so we could have different kind of scenes being set up and making sure that all of our lighting was done correctly. Because obviously we wanted it to be dark and moody, but we needed to be able to see our machines and our talent. That's awesome. And what I love about the fact that we not only used Josh, which was the next Samantalite, but we had... Jake's father-in-law, right? Yes, yes. Playing an actor. So what have you learned about Samantha through the years in terms of just our very grassroots sort of armchair approach to like pulling together talent, whatever it takes? Yeah, whatever it takes, somebody will step up or find somebody that they know that can help out. And it was so great when we actually recorded the audio for the the video, Jake's father-in-law came in and he was like, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. And he did great. It was awesome. And he he brought so much energy and then had been practicing his moves and all of his lines ahead of the shoot to make sure that it was exactly what we needed to, That's so to bring cute. the hype man to life. I love it. Well, you said that this actually turned into an entire campaign revolving around the idea of Dozer Pride. So beyond the song itself, did you have to design a bunch of assets? Yeah, so we had the video that ran across certain types of placements and was a part of our web experience, but we paired that with um, 
other elements. So we had accompanying media assets that drove into the experience as well as a ringtone series. Oh, cool. So we pulled excerpts from the rap and turned those into ringtones as well as um, wallpapers and additional graphics that people could download so they could bring the rap to life when they weren't necessarily listening to it. That's awesome. Well, and I remember at that stage, talk a little bit because you don't write about this, but I want you to say more. How did Cat Brand feel about this? Because I remember there were lovers and there were haters. Yeah, it was an uphill battle for sure. (laughs) We had a couple phrases from the original uh, version of the rap that we had to adjust and kind of tweak to make sure that it aligned to the way that the brand wanted to be represented. Uh, We also had some kind of stylistic and how we were dressing people and, and how they wanted to look and making sure that we were aligned to what the brand wanted to represent themselves as. And then we also had a brand representative in in the shoot with us so they were watching the whole time to make sure that we were following safety guidelines and things like that uh, so that it was acceptable yeah be acceptable and approved as we finished up the the video well and that's we a our, good lesson our clients you know pushed for it too that's right. the big that's a big piece here is when we want to break the mold challenge things getting the client on board and right. willing to go to bat for the idea that they feel will make a difference yeah too. you know i think it's a good lesson in branding because what i recall is the people who And I don't want to use the phrase old school, right? But they loved the sort of legacy of the brand. They loved the history of it, the the classic nature of like a cat tractor. Um, Even collectors, right, had a really hard time connecting with this. Um, But then they have this younger generation that has this sort of aspirational, emotional tie to the brand or what it's becoming. I feel like this is such a good case study because it lived at that intersection. Mm -hmm. You tried to reach both generations in a way. Yeah, because the... Music and the vibe of the rap definitely appealed more to our younger audience overall. But the storyline, the story, the feeling that you got, the idea of hiding in your dozer that you don't want to leave. Right. It's it's one of your favorite things. Right. Resonates regardless of your age. Absolutely. Well, you say you are still to this day going back and checking out sort of if this is still being watched and if it's taking off. I remember when it hit 1 million views, we were like freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. And now you say it's over 14 million, 59,000 reactions and 49,000 comments. That has to make you feel so prideful. Yeah, it's great. And the piece that I love, and I, I looked at it today, somebody also commented on it yesterday, is what people are saying. It's not that it's being seen. That's, I mean, that's exciting. You love to see your work out there in the world, but the fact that the comments are tagging a friend and saying, this is us on the job site, or isn't this like you, or, oh man, that's my husband, or yeah, those are the pieces that I get excited about because I brought people together. Right. I gave them a space to feel like they belonged and that they could share that with others. And that's exciting that we were able to do that. How can we take a lesson from that for the future? Because you only get these kinds of like, you know, way out there creative concepts every once in a while. But I think it's sort of the goal all the time. Do you have ideas on how we could be doing that better right now or more? I think not being scared to present it. I think sometimes we defeat ourselves before we even get it out the door. We worry that they're going to say no, so we don't give it a try. But a good lesson, Um, yeah. And also giving yourself the support to say why it makes sense. Right. So it's harder to say no when you've got the data telling you that this has worked in the past or something similar has worked. So utilizing some of our other teams to help 
illustrate why this is a good idea. Not only is the creative fun or inspiring or challenging, but it's going to work in media. Yep. We've seen it work pa- in the past with our analytics that we're seeing. So yeah. using all of our tools to help. To sell that. It yeah, I love that. Well, at the very end of your little write-up, you say, I selected this as my point of pride because the part of the story that to this day I look back on and fills my heart isn't the fact that I co-directed an outlandish rap video, but that what we did connected with our audience. And I think you've said that through and through today, but I guess say more. You know, you get this opportunity to try to do that every day through your digital CX work. And I think you are such an advocate and voice for like, but what would the customer think about this? And you're really good at like putting yourself in their shoes. Talk about that and this project and then how that translates to your role today. Yeah. I mean, I think this project is a prime example of when you can bring the right message to the right people at the right time. Right. I mean, that's ultimately what drove the connection is it just hit the mark of people feeling seen. I talk a lot with our team about how our role is oftentimes to be the voice of the customer, to push back on our clients, to push back even on our account teams. Because oftentimes they're the voice of the client and what the client needs. And we need to try and remember that how can we strike the balance between fulfilling business and marketing goals and objectives, but also making sure that our customers feel heard and validated and build that loyalty over time. That's why I think you're so uniquely equipped for your job. Years ago, I was at a conference and I heard them say, the role of the account person at an agency is to champion the client. The role of the creative person at the agency is to champion the idea. The role of the strategy person at the agency is to champion the client's customer, right? And like you mentioned, sit at that intersection of the voice of the business and the voice of the customer. And you do such a good job of that, but you also have that creative gene. So to have that all in one person makes you an awesome leader of this space. Um, Explain to the audience a little bit about how your role has evolved today, the team you're building and some of the disciplines you manage. Yeah. Yeah. So over the past four to five years, I've seen my role kind of move into the strategy lane. So I, I transitioned out of being a solely dedicated creative, I won't say I'm out of the creative space, um, (laughs) into exploring what different strategy disciplines we really needed at Symantle. So that started exploring what user experience strategy could look like at Symantle and then started to branch into our need to better connect all of our digital strategies together. They were kind of sitting across different teams. So we help oversee how we bring our media to life, how we connect the creative And then ultimately how we deliver that across our web experiences and report out on success. So really focusing on building out our team, finding individuals who have passion areas that align to those topics and then growing and sharing because no one of our strategy team members is exactly the same, which is really exciting because there's always a space to learn and grow from somebody who knows more in a different area than you do. And then I'm also fortunate to stay connected to our creative team because I oversee our UX design team as well. Yeah. So helping to bridge the gap between what we're creating for our kind of core creative campaigns and bringing that to life in our web experiences. So making sure that what we hook them with pays off on the web experience and ultimately we can drive forward with the goals that our clients have assigned. That's awesome. So as you've grown into management, and I know you're still heavy in the work in some cases, but you're also now a leader. What's the favorite part of your job today? I get really excited when I see my team be successful and try something that they haven't had before. Really? And haven't done before. Yeah. So challenging themselves to expand and grow and, and do things differently or in a new way that they haven't before and kind of supporting them from behind the scenes to to go for it. Right. Because that's where a lot of my growth happened was having leaders and team members around me that said, 
you can do this. Yeah. Go for it. And you talked about that earlier. And I think one of the ways in which you're enabling your team to do that. So Samantha has hired a lot of new folks throughout the pandemic, and we have been working very hard on our training and onboarding program. But I will say that of all divisions of the company, I feel like you're really buttoned up in that area. All the tools and resources are in one place, and you do a really good job of like walking people through that. So it's not just like trial by fire. Yeah, we've tried to, to do a good job of bringing together all of our resources because we, we have a lot of, of trainings available. We have a lot of industry standard training that we cross leverage and don't reinvent the wheel. But we found as we started to bring people on at the beginning of COVID, the way that we were training folks before wasn't working for our team. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the time to sit down with team members the way that I used to or, or Gina didn't as she was helping build out the team. So we put everything together in one space and, and have some kickoff sessions with them and then do follow-up meetings to make sure that we're understanding the baselines of of what the, the discipline asks. And then we make sure that we try and have our, our follow-up cadence because oftentimes you'll go through all those trainings in those first couple months or weeks, but then until you start to apply it, you, you don't quite get it all solidified up there. you got to get it in the work and start utilizing it some. Absolutely. Well, what are you most excited about next? Like when you look out at the horizon over the next three or six months, what are some things you're working on that you're pretty pumped about? That's a good question. I know. Um, I'm excited for what Con Expo is going to look like. Yeah. So that's on the horizon. As it's we awesome. March towards that St. Patrick's Day timeframe is when it's hitting this year. So I'm excited to see how that's all going to come together and how Global Operator Challenge will, will roll out this year. From our kind of more internal perspective, I'm, I'm excited for what the kind of cross-learning is going to be within our team. So that's we're starting cool. to fill out the team and get people dedicated and more ingrained in their accounts. So I'm excited as we can start to focus on learning from each other a little bit more and and growing as a team. Cool. Well, and for those listeners who don't know about Con Expo, we are a big trade show agency. So we love trade show years and uh, this one will be coming up shortly. All right. So Again, thank you so much for this point of pride. I love this story. Like I said, I get asked in the community about the rap video all the time. So now I'll feel more educated. What's a piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners with? And I'm asking that through the lens of like an advice you might have for a new employee at Samantha, but then also a piece of advice for a client who is just, you know, starting to learn how to work with Samantha. For a new employee or someone just in the beginning of their marketing journey or right now in their marketing journey, because I feel it as well knowing that you can use your voice even if it shakes. This is something that I learned at a recent conference I went to, just that idea of stepping outside your comfort zone and being willing to say something even if you're not exactly sure. Sure. So just getting a little uncomfortable from time to time. Yes, agreed. Um, With a client, I would say just making sure that you're asking the right questions okay, and kind of digging in with your team to understand. Sure. Um, Cause I feel like sometimes we, we take for granted that we have longstanding relationships and we kind of understand the ins and outs. Right. So making sure that one, that client and then us as a, uh, maybe as a new partner, take that time to get to know each other and understand the details and the inner workings. Right. So we're asking them and they're asking us and it's mm-hmm. building that trust. Mm-hmm. I love that. And then my last question that I've asked a few folks is, what advice do you have for ownership of Samantha about the future? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like the sky's the limit. Yeah? How so? I've seen us, just even in my 12 years here, where we were when I started and the type of work that we delivered and the, the clients that we serviced and the, the work that they asked for us, it's just evolved so much. 
And I'm just excited for what the next couple of years can look like. What are the new service offerings? I know. What are the new platforms that we're going to be supporting our clients in? Yeah, we're constantly changing and evolving. I feel like every 90 days, there's some massive new thing that we got to figure out, which is part of the fun. It is. That's the challenge of it. And that's what's exciting. Yeah. And you're usually at the center of those conversations. So Sarah, thank you so much for all you do. And thank you for telling us your point of pride. Thanks for having me. I'm so proud of the ish that is Symantle, that unique blend of talent, logic, and emotion that leads to some pretty amazing work. Thank you, Sarah, for the role you've played in bringing many of those ideas to life and all the great ideas yet to come as you help our clients create a better experience for their customers. To hear more Symantle Point of Pride stories, go to marketingsweats.com or wherever you get your podcasts and check out the rest of the episodes in our very special season six. You can hear even more from Sarah and others about their point of pride by visiting the 40th anniversary page on Symantle.com. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. 